My name is Nicholas Haskins, and over the past 40 years, I have fallen in love with creating in my kitchen. I'm not a chef, I'm just a guy who loves cooking from scratch with fresh ingredients and trying to spread some positive energy in the world. Join me on my culinary journey inside the kitchen and out as I explore the ups and downs of cooking, baking, and living. Welcome to Nikolai's Kitchen. Hello, good morning, hi everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Nikolai's Kitchen. This is your first time listening to this show. Welcome. My name is Nick Haskins, and this is all about scratch-made food and positive energy. My journey. Please come on this journey with me. It'll be so, so wonderful to have you. Those of you who are returning, thank you so, so much for coming back. It's always an absolute pleasure to have you tuning in each and every single week. If you enjoy listening to the show, I'm going to ask you to please head over to Apple Podcasts, leave the show a five-star rating and review. And if you send a screenshot of that review to me, you're going to be entered to win the Patreon VIP basket for the spring of 2021, which is your choice of six different sauces. Six different sauces I'm going to be sending to my patrons, including red wine mustard, champagne mustard, Carolina Reaper barbecue sauce, a birch beer barbecue sauce, wing sauce made with mustard and garlic or my honey sriracha garlic maple syrup you don't want to miss your chance to win this only one of them is available so give me a review on apple Podcasts as soon as possible screenshot that and send it to me on social media any way you can find me at nikolai's kitchen facebook instagram and twitter and one lucky winner is also going to get a box of these sauces thank you so so much to everyone who has already taken the opportunity to leave a review it really really does help as an indie podcaster it helps me get up there in the rankings because i gotta play the apple algorithm game and i really really do appreciate all of your help with that in the mid-roll of the show you're going to hear a promo from melissa and the brook reading podcast she invited me on recently to talk about eugene o'neill's a long day's journey in tonight which is a fantastic but absolutely utterly tragic tale about this family and one extremely long day in their lives. We get really, really animated about the discussion. We get really frustrated and angry with these characters because of how darkly tragic this story is. So please make sure you head over. The link will be down in the show notes. She split it into two different parts. So make sure you head down to the show notes to check out both parts of that. It was such a fun discussion, especially if you're somebody who is super, super into literature. Thank you so, so much, Melissa, for having me. And please remember my audience, it is not safe for work. If you're going to tune into that, please keep that in mind. You can always find all the information, by the way, about any guest spots that I've done recently in the show notes. If it's been over the past few months, the link will be listed down below. If you're listening to this in release month of March 2021, it is free Patreon month. So head over to Patreon, the link also down in the show notes for Patreon. Everything that I release this month on Patreon is free to all listeners. And this is just a snapshot, a preview of the things that my patrons get every single month. Bonus episodes, bonus audio content, like the full nearly two-hour discussion I had with Dan for Table for Two. All this kind of stuff that normally would be only reserved for patrons, I'm giving it to everyone for free. So please check it out. And if you're so inclined, if you want to stick around on Patreon and throw me a few bucks, I would really, really appreciate it. It really, really does help keep the pantry stocked, as it were in the kitchen. Speaking of Patreon, 10% of the proceeds from my patrons every single month goes to charity. 
and this month, as well as February's donation, which I have also personally matched, is going to AFSP, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. This is something that is, you know, very, very near and dear to my heart as I have lost friends and family to suicide, and I myself have struggled with issues, you know, and with things like that. And if you're somebody who's struggling or if you're somebody who's having a crisis, I wanted to put this out here at the top of the episode. Please don't wait. Please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. That will also be in the show notes. But, you know, if you're struggling or if you know someone who is struggling or whatever, please don't wait. Please call. I promise you are not alone. Please, whatever you do, don't give up. But the AFSP does some amazing work in suicide prevention. And specifically, I chose that charity because Zack Snyder's Justice League is going to be coming out as of the release of this in four days. And I cannot wait. I'm so, so excited to actually see it as I'm a big fan of a majority of, anyway, his work. And he originally was, you know, the director of Justice League and his daughter, Autumn, committed suicide in March of 2017, which forced him to step away from the film. And ever since then, you know, and I know a lot of different things can be said about this whole Snyder Cut thing, positively and negatively, some of the fans have gotten way too toxic, and, you know, that's definitely worth acknowledging as well. But there's also been an amazing, huge campaign as Zach and his wife Deborah and legions of fans have caused, you know, an increase in awareness like a hundredfold to AFSP, to suicide prevention, and in making huge donations and raising huge sums of money. So, you know, it's not much, but I'm always, always someone who wants to do something to give back. So I made that donation a little bit earlier. You can find all that information over on the Patreon. Those posts are always made public because I always want everyone to know what I'm giving back and what I'm putting out there. Speaking of Zack Snyder's Justice League, ladies and gentlemen, I am going home. I'm going back. To the epic film guys, my brothers Justin and Lois Oss are going to be joining them as a guest this time to review Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's going to be so, so amazing. I can't wait to sit down and get back on the mic with them. It's been so long since I've actually been on the microphone with them, and I really miss it, to be 100% honest. So it's going to be really, really exciting to chat about it. And that episode should be out, I would guess, about the 25th of March, somewhere in that neighborhood. So make sure you stay tuned. That will, of course, be all over my social media as well, and that will most definitely be not safe for work. So please keep that in mind if you're going to tune in. If you saw over on social media this week, I posted a picture of a marinated top round. And I also posted a picture of a finished top round roast. And I promised that this week's episode was going to be about that top round and about versatility. But then I got to thinking about it and talking to Rebecca about it. Well, top round, there's not really a whole lot to break down there for a featured recipe. It's a few ingredients into a marinade. You chuck them in there, you combine them, you chuck the roast in there. Cooking process is generally the same. You get a high heat sear, finish in the broiler, rest, and slice thin against the grain. Easy peasy. It's like, I mean, it, it doesn't really change much. There's not a whole lot to break down. I wanted to talk a lot about versatility when I talk about that. And I managed to get that top round roast as part of a buy one, get two free special, which is insane to me. But since I still have two huge top round roasts left, I'm going to talk about it again later. In a future episode, I'm not sure exactly where that will land, but I'm going to make those other two top round roasts with two different marinades, and I'm going to come back and I'm going to break down one, two, three marinades for you in the featured recipe section. That way you can get an idea of the versatility of that cut, and I'm going to talk all about versatility or the lack thereof, you know, with, with, with some things, especially in the kitchen as we go forward. And I'll talk a little bit later when we talk about making homemade puff pastry about how sometimes 
kitchen tools are not very versatile. They have one one thing you can use them for, and that's pretty much <laughs> pretty much it. take a moment to talk about this week in food ladies and gentlemen because i didn't cook it i didn't do anything in fact when i got to rebecca's this weekend she already had taco lasagna all layered out in a nice 9 by 13 baking dish that we just had to chuck into the oven and enjoy so this was tortillas refried beans tomatoes black beans ground beef with taco seasoning Mexican cheeses, all this stuff layered together just like you would make a lasagna, chucked into the oven and baked for like 30 minutes or so, give or take. Oh, so good. Just all those different flavors. And it actually had a good bit of spice to it, a little bit of heat to it. It has been so much fun kind of exploring these kinds of dishes, especially with spice, because she said, you know, early on in our relationship, she doesn't do spice very well. She doesn't handle it very well. But I've come to find that she can deal with spice and she can deal with heat as long as it's layered in as part of a dish and as long as it's kind of an accompanying element to it and not where it's just like overpowering, like boom, heat for heat's sake something like that. So it's been really, really exciting to kind of delve into that stuff. And she did an amazing job on this taco lasagna. I immediately went back for seconds on this thing. It was so, so amazing. I really probably should have brought some home with me. I totally forgot. about it. <laughs> kind of wish I had another piece of it to make here. But after the show is done recording, I'm going to head straight out into my kitchen. I picked up a piece of salmon today because I've got a little bit of herbed butter left from when I made salmon. God, long time ago now back on valentine's day but i still got a little bit of that herbed butter left and i flattened it out into some wax paper and i'm just gonna pan sear that salmon stick that thing in the oven for a little bit finish it up boom cannot wait to eat that as part of our kind of little Mexican dinner that we had friday night i also made homemade margaritas and i want to tell you guys all about those in its own quick bite coming this Thursday, I'm actually gonna break down my recipe for homemade margaritas because I made one crucial change that I've never done before and kind of it was born out of necessity and I'll never make them a different way again. I will never ever do it a different way ever again. So make sure if you're somebody who's a fan of margaritas, that episode's gonna be like five minutes long. So make sure jump in, jump out, learn how to make a margarita. If you've never made one from scratch, please, Whatever you do, don't buy pre-made margarita mix. It has got so much sugar in it. So much sugar. It's so bad for you. It's so, so bad for you. I'm going to jump over into a really quick promo here for the upcoming live stream for The Cure. On the other side of that, we're going to talk about positivity. And we're going to talk about things being bad for you as I talk about a movie. So, we'll see you on the other side. My name is Nicholas Haskins, and I'd like a moment of your time to tell you about the 5th Annual Livestream for the Cure. To do that, I brought along two people whom I couldn't do this event without, Gerald Morris and Dan Brennick. Over the past four years, the Livestream for the Cure has raised over $30,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. That contribution is helping to fund research into cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This year, we're aiming for our biggest goal yet as we try to raise $15,000 in 50 hours on the air. 
Tune in May 19th through the 23rd as we're joined live by podcasters and content creators from around the world. With your help, we can continue the fight for a future immune to cancer. Together, we can make a difference. I used to weigh over 400 pounds. I weigh right around 300 pounds now. At my peak, I lost about 125 pounds. I did gain a little bit of weight back over the winter. And, you know, with starting this show and with a lot of different things changing in my life, I just wasn't making 100% necessarily the most healthy choices. But I've always stuck hardcore to a few different things. And number one of those was drop the sugar. Drop the artificial sweeteners, the high fructose corn syrups, all of those kinds of things. Kick them right out of your diet. Kick out things like candy bars and junk and ice cream and desserts. If you're going to have things like, you know, ice cream or like cake or anything like that, number one, have it in extreme moderation. And I know I've talked about things like brownies on this show, cookies for Christmas. I sent cookies to patrons for Christmas. (laughs) You know, I make desserts and I'm going to continue to make desserts. I talked about that lemon curd for those crusties. Oh, man, is that stuff good when you nail it? Oh, so, so good. You just have to moderate. You just have to do it in moderation. Don't eat a ton of sugar. And a lot of that can kind of go a long way in just kicking things out of your diet, like candy bars and stuff that I was talking to Rebecca about. It's like, yeah, you eat one candy bar, three servings in that one candy bar. Each serving is like 40% of your daily allowance of sugar. Things in this country, especially food in this country, especially is laden with sugar and high fructose corn syrup. It's not good for you. It's not healthy. That's why I do make desserts, but I like making them from scratch. And I like putting my own sugar in them because then I know if I'm eating sugar, I know exactly how much. I've been getting a lot more into my walking and Heading into run training again, talking to my friend Melissa and my friend Cassie, who both want to run races with me this year. And it just kind of was, you know, I maybe it was subconsciously in the back of my mind when I was with Rebecca this weekend and she wanted to watch a movie called Britney Runs a Marathon, which I remember hearing about when it came out. And it has Jillian Bell in it. Jillian Bell was in Workaholics, which I loved and I loved her in it. She's so funny. She's amazing. I was really, really excited to watch it. And. I got to tell you, it's probably one of the hardest movies that I've ever watched in my life. And it's not that it was a, you know, poorly made movie. It's not that it was difficult to watch because of, you know, any of those kind of reasons, but it was difficult to watch because I was that person. I am that person still in a lot of ways. I'm very active and, you know, I've still got some, still got some meat on me. No doubt about it. Like I've still got some heft to me. I definitely do, but I'm also very healthy and I'm very, very active and I'm constantly doing better every day. It is such a process, such a process of improvement, but a lot of the film is about the way that she internalizes all of this pain of wishing so much that she wasn't so big and how she would constantly use food as a crutch when she was depressed or upset about her life and constantly be making bad food choices. There's one scene in particular in which she goes to this burger place with these cheesy fries and she's eating this stuff and she's just really, really enjoying it. And then she throws the container in the trash and she's sitting there picking the cheese off of the container while it's in the trash and still eating it just to eat the rest of it, just to get more of that in there because she's so full of self-loathing for who and for what she is. That's me. That's me. And it's, it was so, 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 so hard 
to watch the movie because it was like looking into a mirror for most of the time. And the movie is all about her kind of accepting responsibility for her own life and for her own health and, and taking ownership of who she is and taking ownership of her life and deciding that she wants to make a change and she wants to do something about it. And this is actually based on a real life thing as well. The real person, you know, Brittany O'Neill, you know, she was an overweight woman who trained to run in the New York City Marathon and did it. And actually did it in this movie. If you're somebody like me who has struggled with weight for a portion of your life, if not all of your life, and you've really, really tried a lot of different things and you've really, really had moments where you've just, you've binged and you've gorged because that's your comfort. Like you go back to that when you're depressed or when you're upset or when you retreat back into yourself, you go to food. It broke my heart to watch it. It broke my heart because it was like watching myself. But there was such an inspiration to that. When she starts to surround herself with good people who support her, who love her, who try their best to hold her up and cheer for her and be her champions. And when she stands there and she just clenches her fist and she says, one block, just one block, just start. You've got to get out the door. You've got to push yourself. You've got to do it. You've got to make it happen. You have to be willing to take that first step. It's so, so inspiring as somebody who constantly walks. I'm doing the 120 challenge for the live stream for the cure, which I've talked about a lot, trying to do 120 miles leading up to May 19th. I've still got a goal in mind of 250. I want to hit 250 pounds and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to continue to push and be active and make the choices that I need to make to get there. But I'm not a person that diets. And I don't know anybody that's ever been on like a diet diet and had it work forever where it was sustainable forever and they could do it forever. That's why I don't diet. I just make scratch made food and I just eat smaller portions of it. Generally speaking, losing all that weight. I mean, aside from chucking things out like candy bars and soda, I still eat what I want. I still make like I make red wine infused brownies with a chocolate ganache. Delicious. Oh God, they're so good. <laughs> they're so good. But I make, I still make that kind of thing. But now if I'm going to eat a brownie, I'll eat one that's half the size of one that I used to eat. If I'm going to eat cookies, I'm going to eat one less. Whatever and however, but you reduce down and you hold yourself accountable and you make smart choices. And, and that's even to say, like, you can't eat cookies every day. Even if you only eat like one cookie, you can't eat cookies every day. You just have to make the good choices. This is a fantastic film, especially if you're someone like me who has struggled so, so hard. And I just ugly cried after it was over. I just, I just sobbed because it was me. This it's me. It was looking into a mirror, but it made me, very, very few things that I have ever seen in my life and very, very few things that I've ever connected to really, really made me feel like somebody understands or somebody gets it. And that's not to say I'm not surrounded by absolutely fantastically supportive people, people like Rebecca, who is incredible and so supportive about me achieving my goals.
friends who cheerlead for me and who cheer me on to reach every single level of this thing. Friends like Melissa and Cassie who want to work with me and train for a race because they have their own goals. And it's easier to do it when you've got friends and you've got people to do it with. But my God, this was just, it was a mirror. And if you're somebody who struggles with this kind of thing, if you're somebody who struggles with weight and you want to take those first steps, you are not alone. You're not alone just like I wasn't alone. And two weeks from basically the release date of this episode, it's going to be the two-year anniversary of my friend John's death. And when he died... When he died, he's, he's the same exact age as I was. I'm older now than he was when he died. And I just remember standing there on the edge of his grave, fatter than I'd ever been, feeling so gross and unhealthy, barely being able to squeeze into these giant tarps I called clothes. Sobbing. Sobbing because I'd lost one of my best friends, but also sobbing because I knew I was next. I knew I was headed straight where he was. If I didn't shape up. If I didn't make some drastic changes. So I made them. I dropped the sugar. I started exercising more. I started counting calories. I started moderating and making sure I wasn't overstuffing myself with 5,000 plus calories instead of going back for seconds and having two, three, four helpings of a full plate of food. I would eat one serving, except for that taco lasagna that was really, really good. And I had small pieces of it, okay? <laughs> don't give up on yourself. Please don't ever give up on yourself. Because if you're the kind of person that watches this movie and sees it as a mirror, I know what that feels like too. I love you and I believe in you. I know you can do this because I did it and I'm still doing it every day. Just don't give up on yourself. Please don't give up on yourself. I'm going to take a quick break and spin that promo for the book reading podcast. When I come back, I'm going to talk about homemade baked brie. I cannot wait to break this recipe down for you guys. Stay tuned. I want to tell you all about it. Hello, listeners of this fantastic show. My name is Melissa, and I am the host of the Brook Reading Podcast. Each week, I read and review a book from all across the genres and provide you with summaries, author information, movie adaptations, and relevance in history and society. I also meet and interview new authors and review their works as well. Many times, though, I go off on tangents, make up a brand new segment, or rant about something that's currently pissing me off. <laughs> you can listen to Brook Reading on all of the podcatchers, and don't forget to visit www.brookreadingpodcast.com for expanded information, as well as all of the social medias. The Brook Reading Podcast is a proud member of the No Phony Podcast Network.
It is time to talk, ladies and gentlemen, about homemade baked brie. So at Rebecca's, we were just kind of trying to think of what to make for dinner on Saturday. We had some Wegmans subs for lunch, which if you happen to live near a Wegmans and you can get a Wegmans sub for lunch, oh, man. Oh, God, Wegmans subs are so good. So, so good. We were trying to decide what we wanted to make for dinner, and sometime over the holidays, we had made baked brie. And I had made a homemade puff pastry when I made it. We didn't let it cook for nearly long enough, so the dough was just barely like a touch brown on a couple spots when we pulled it. So some of the dough was still a little bit raw. But it turned out pretty good. And I've wanted to attempt to make homemade puff pastry again since, but I don't remember what recipe I used the first time I did it. Just don't. Sometimes I don't write stuff down, which is something that I'm really, really, really bad at. Even this far into the run of this show, episode 17 of this show, plus how many quick bites, I'm still terrible at writing stuff down sometimes. (laughs) But I decided to make it again. And I know the version that I went with previously was like a quick puff pastry where you cube up butter, toss it into the flour, and you're doing the mixing together, and you fold, roll, fold, roll, fold, roll, all that kind of stuff. Well, no, I went with like a straight up scratch made step by step this is how you do it kind of thing this entire recipe is from the kitchen.com that's kitchen without an e and the link for that's going to be down in the show notes this was an amazing recipe and i will say from the outset if you do not have the tools to do this don't do it <laughs> this specifically she uses a french rolling pin which is a rolling pin that's not you know the handles with the freewheeling middle part it's just a solid piece i actually have a wooden french rolling pin but i didn't have it at rebecca's so unfortunately i couldn't use it i had to use a standard rolling pin no just don't because it's so frustrating to use that thing and then also a pastry scraper which is basically just like it looks like a small like rectangle of sheet metal with a handle and you use it to cut and fold and move pastry and move doughs and things like that so you don't have to touch it with your hands. And that's the most important thing because you're using that to kind of move butter. And when you're working with puff pastry, you need tons and tons of butter, but you have to keep it cold. You can't be touching it with your hands because it's immediately going to start to melt and it's going to get so messy, number one. And then it's just not going to set up as well. So homemade puff pastry This is a process, guys. Settle in. You're going to dedicate a good portion of an evening to this. You need two cups of flour, a teaspoon of salt, two-thirds of a cup of ice water, and one cup or two sticks of unsalted butter. You're going to take your flour and your salt, put them in a bowl together, combine them, and then you're going to tip that out onto your workspace or your counter. Form a trough down the center. You're going to take your water. And I just had a cup of water with ice in it. Well, two-thirds of a cup of water with ice in it. Sprinkle a tablespoon of water into the trough, and then you begin, her method is called fluffing the dough. Basically, you just kind of take your hands as hooks, and you just kind of start scooping it up, almost like you're tossing it up in the air, like in front of you, over and over. You're going to keep doing this, keep adding a little bit of water, fluff it together, keep adding a little bit of water, fluff it together until the flour clumps together in large pieces and it holds together when you press it into a dough. You don't want to work this like a bread dough and form a lot of gluten, I guess, is the kind of theory behind it, which makes a lot of sense because you want this to be flaky and where it's going to break apart, not like bread where you want it to be nice and chewy and stretchy and things like that. 
So this is going to make what's called a lean dough. You're going to form this into a square, wrap it in plastic, not glad press and seal, which is the only thing that I have. <laughs> Refrigerate that for at least 30 minutes. Now it's time to work with your butter. You're going to take your sticks of butter, cut them in half lengthwise, and then cut those halves in half widthwise. So you're going to have basically, you know, four flatter, shorter sticks of butter from each stick. So you should have eight in total. Place those on your work surface, and you're going to sprinkle a teaspoon of flour over them. Start pounding on them with the French rolling pin. And I mean this, pound on it. <laughs> Not so much that you've got butter flying all over your kitchen, but the idea here is you're going to start working it and softening it. Do not touch it with your hands. It will immediately start to melt, and it's going to make a mess, and it's going to be really, really a lot of trouble. I didn't have a pastry scraper here. Rebecca had a fish spatula used for flipping over fish. It was the only metal utensil she had. It was the only thing that I thought might work. It does not work. <laughs> Number one, because it's got all these like slats cut in it, and it's just getting butter and dough and everything stuck in the middle of it that you can't get out. You have no way to get it out, so then you're using your fingers to try to get it out, and then you've got butter melting all over your fingers and all over the countertop, and you're getting butter everywhere, and oh my lord. Oh. <sighs> This was just, oh, what a mess this was. So what you want to do is you want to kind of pound it out flat, take a pastry scraper, gather it up into a mound, sprinkle another teaspoon of flour over it, keep pounding it out, working it, pastry scraper into a mold, and you want the butter to basically become pliable and not break when you fold it over onto itself. Okay. Once that's done, you're going to form it into a four inch square, wrap it in plastic, pop it in the fridge for 10 minutes. Grab your lean dough out of the fridge, and you're going to roll that into a 7-inch square. Take your butter block out of the fridge once you've chilled it, obviously, once the times are done. And you're going to stick this at a 90-degree angle, so basically your corners are going to face the straight edges of your dough square. Then you're going to fold the corners of your dough over the butter so they all meet in the middle. Pinch your seams closed. You're going to flip your dough over so your seams are facing down, and you're going to roll that out into a rectangle that is roughly 12 inches by 6 inches. Turn the folded dough 90 degrees and roll it out again into a 12 by 6 rectangle, and then fold it up again like a letter, wrap it up in plastic, pop it back in the fridge, 30 minutes. After 30 minutes, repeat the same process two more times. Make sure you're flouring your work surface in between this. There will still be butter, especially on that second roll. It can get a little bit dicey. If your kitchen's kind of warm, you might want to refrigerate after every turn here. Your goal is to do this flip and fold thing six times. By the time you get to the end of six times, you're going to do it twice, refrigerate 30 minutes, twice, refrigerate 30 minutes. Then the final two times, it should be nice and workable and smooth. Then you're going to fold it up again, refrigerate it for an hour, or at this point, it's pretty much ready to go. You can refrigerate it overnight until you're ready to use it. That's your homemade puff pastry. Like I said, think about all those steps. This is a process. If you've never made it yourself before, though, I urge you to try it at least once because, oh my, the difference. So fresh, so buttery, so amazing. It's just incredible. Now, to make baked brie, all we did was grabbed about a 16-ounce circle of brie. It's like an inch thick, you know, big, flat wheel of brie and the puff pastry. And you're going to basically place it in the center. You're going to trim off any excess pastry that you have kind of around this thing. So place the brie like right in the middle. And then you kind of want to do the same thing you did when you folded your butter block into this. Fold your corners into the middle of this so there's not a lot of excess space. And so you don't have to fold the dough over itself a number of times. You want everything to kind of meet evenly. 
And then you're going to make sure you pinch your seam shut here. Use water if you need to to really seal the seams because that cheese is all going to get ooey gooey and lava like in there. You want it to stay inside of your dough. You're going to preheat your oven to 425 degrees. Roll your puff pastry out to about an eighth of an inch thick. Place the brie right at the middle of the pastry. Trim off any excess so that way you can fold your corners of your dough into the cheese. Same way you did the butter block earlier. You don't want there to be any excess space and you don't want to have to overlap your seams here or overlap the dough because if you overlap it numerous times, it's not going to cook by the time the rest of it's done. It's still going to have raw dough pockets in this. Okay. Use water if you need to and seal all of the seams shut on this. Then you're going to flip it seam side down over onto your baking tray. Then I had egg yolk left over from when I made the candied pecans. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. I combined that egg yolk and some water in a small bowl, mixed it together really quick, and just used a pastry brush, brushed it over all the dough. 10 minutes at 425 degrees. Then you're going to take it down to 375 and bake it for another 15 or 20 until it is a nice dark golden brown. This thing, the color on this thing is so gorgeous. It looks so absolutely beautiful. Pull it out of the oven when you're done and let it rest for 10 minutes. To go with this baked brie, I decided to do a homemade blueberry compo. And I saw randomly at Rebecca's, I just happened to pull something out of a cabinet and saw she had pecans. And I was like, candied pecans would be great with this too. And I've never made candied pecans. Blueberry compo, I have definitely made a lot, but it is one pint or approximately 11 or 12 ounces of blueberries, the zest and juice of two lemons, and a third of a cup of light brown sugar. That's all I used here. Add all those ingredients to a saucepan and bring it to a simmer over medium heat. Then reduce the heat to mid-low and cover it. Let it cook for 15 to 20 minutes or until everything is very, very soft. Remove the cover and return the heat to mid. Let it cook another 5 to 10 minutes or until the liquid starts to kind of thicken up and get nice and syrupy. You're going to do that kind of test where you dip the spoon into it and it clings to the spoon and it doesn't just all sheet right off of the spoon. It's going to be really thick kind of pouring off of the spoon. But you don't want to cook all the liquid off here. You don't want to reduce this all the way down. Okay? Remove it from the heat. Let it cool. Chuck it in a container and into the refrigerator. The candied pecans, oh, these, these, I think between this and the compote really stole the show. I mean, I made homemade puff pastry, which took so much longer than this. And it's really sad to say the toppings really stole the show, but here we are. <laughs> candied pecans is four cups of pecans shelled and halved, a half a cup of light brown sugar, a tablespoon of cinnamon, an egg white, a teaspoon of vanilla extract, and a tablespoon of water. You're going to preheat your oven here to 300 degrees. Then you're going to combine your egg whites, your vanilla, and your water into a bowl. Whip those into meringue with a hand mixer or a whisk until you get stiff peaks. Then you're going to take your pecans and kind of gently fold them and toss them around in the meringue until they're well coated. In another bowl, you're going to combine your cinnamon and brown sugar, mix those together well, and then add that right into the bowl with the pecans, stirring and tossing gently to coat them. Get out a baking tray, line it with parchment paper, and then layer out your pecans in a single layer and bake it for 40 minutes at 300 degrees. At 20 minutes, just open the oven up really quick and just give them a quick stir. This is going to form a big, sticky, clumpy mess onto that parchment paper, so you have to make sure you line your baking tray here. Don't just chuck this onto the baking tray. You will be so sad <laughs> when you go to try to clean it anyway. Probably when you're eating the pecans, you will not be because these are so light and crispy, crunchy, sweet. You just get a little bit of that warm spice from that cinnamon. Oh, and that blueberry, like that lemon zest, that little bit of lemon oil and that little bit of lemon juice really brightens up those blueberries and just makes a nice little pop. 
So, so good. So the baked brie, and I'm not sure, this is one thing that I've never really known, and I should have looked this up, honestly. But I didn't really care to because I'm pretty sure you just kind of take it and you just layer over it with whatever. So cut a nice piece of the baked brie out of it and, oh, the cheese just oozes out so good. This dough turned out so, so amazing. And what I actually did with the extra dough that I had left over, I layered it all together. I rolled it out and then I just kind of cut it into equal pieces. And I just formed what I called faussants or basically croissants, but... You know, I mean, it's it's still that kind of same dough, but I mean, these definitely weren't croissants and I didn't roll them right. So they just kind of ended up being like these weird half moonish shaped things made of puff pastry. They were still really, really good and they worked perfectly for dipping them into the cheese and the blueberry compote and the candied pecan. All that stuff was just perfect, just absolutely perfect. So I just cut a nice piece of it out, put it on a plate, put some blueberries over it, put some pecans over it, boom, serve done. This is amazing. And it's one of those kind of really, really great things that like you can kind of do like as a party thing as well. You can just kind of stick it like in the middle of a table or something like that. And like, you know, people can just kind of get like little pieces of it out or you can kind of maybe, I don't know if you can even cut the top of it. Can you do this like a bread bowl? I really don't know. If you're familiar with how you work with baked brie, get at me in the comments over on social media. Let me know because I'm not really all that familiar with really how you're supposed to present it. I just kind of threw it on a plate and just chucked stuff on top of it and then just ate it. And it was really good. <laughs> and Rebecca had some crackers and stuff, but then we just kind of ended up with these faux salts, as I called them. And we just pulled them apart and just used those to dip into, oh, this pastry was so, between the buttery brie cheese and then the butteriness of that puff pastry, oh my. You're just... I mean, it melted in your mouth. It was so, so good. So light. You got that nice flaky crunch from that puff pastry. Just everything together. <sighs> what a superstar this was. Definitely something that I would recommend if you're going to have like a party or something, like I said. And then you can, I mean, like I said, you can you can probably just like have this in like the center of a big table and people can probably like scoop some brie out of it, you know, just kind of crunch in the top or something and use a spoon to spoon some out onto their plates. I don't know. You guys have to tell me what you do with it. But that is going to do it for another episode of Nikolai's Kitchen. Please check out this recipe and all of the recipes that I've done for this show. You can find them over on social media. Typically on the Facebook page is where I put the full breakdowns for the recipes. But if you need anything, if you guys want me to post anything or if you missed it or if you want me to repost it or whatever, all you got to do is hit me up on social media. Let me know you want me to repost something and I will get it back out there for you. Next week on the show, I'm going to be honest, I'm not 100% sure what I'm going to do just yet because I don't think I want to do top round even next week because I want to do three different variations of it, but I don't want to make two top rounds this week to try to eat two top because it's way too much of it. It's just way too much of it and it's just me eating it because my son's a vegetarian. So I, yeah, I just wouldn't have any way to do any of it. So since we're punting top round down the road a couple of weeks, next week on the show, the first meal that I'm going to cook in Rebecca's brand new kitchen, air fried fried chicken and mac and cheese. Oh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. And the best part about it is, is I'm going to have some of that honey, sriracha, garlic, maple syrup. I'm going to take some of that and just give it a little kiss of that because that sweetness and that heat and that garlicky pungency along with that crunch of that coating on that fried chicken oh i cannot wait gonna be absolutely amazing make sure you stay tuned for that 
Thank you so, so much for all of your amazing support for this show. I love you so much. Don't forget the season is going to be ending in just about a month on April 19th. And then the, the return season two will begin on May 31st with a special all about barbecuing that will release on Memorial Day, May 31st here in the United States. I love your beautiful faces. You are so amazing. Go out there today and absolutely own it. Do not let anything stand in your way and do not ever forget that I believe in you. No matter what happens, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're struggling with, I love you. Go out there and absolutely crush it. Thank you so, so much for listening. You are amazing. Thank you so much for coming on this journey with me. Thank you.